but then we can't just, you know, make sure that our feed is only kitten memes either, you know, right. Not exactly. probably maybe you take a day and okay, or a week and it's kitten memes and then it's okay. Well, or, to, or your, your, your feed is just kitten memes, but you're getting news somewhere or no, you're yeah, yeah, right. You it, yeah. And, and I'd only say that cause I'm, I'm at the point where I'm just only kitten memes. Um, and I'm okay with that. of Pup Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft-brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverend Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and the special guests address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. Today we welcome two special guests as Ogan is on vacation. Good for him. Abby Eli Friedman is back with us. Yay! Eli's major work at Rodef Shalom includes social uh, justice initiatives, adult education, and working with young adults and young families. He, his wife Laurel, and their daughters, Josephine and Nora, live in the wonderful Kensington neighborhood of Philadelphia, where they enjoy dining out, live music, and home brewing. And I feel like I should have gone to Philadelphia for this uh, this recording today. We could have all been hanging out in my office together. We could have yeah, all been in the office. Um, so in our second special guest, now, Kirk, have you been on the show? I know you haven't since I've been on. I, I have not. I you have, have not. not. Well, welcome. Welcome to, we have a pub theology virgin in the mix. Um, <laughs> Kirk Berlinbach uh, serves as canon for growth and support as part of the staff offices of the Episcopal Diocese of, of Pennsylvania. He has always been fascinated by exploring the ways in which spirituality emerges in life outside of organized religion, particularly in craft beer and heavy metal. I have some friends for you. A fixture in the Philadelphia beer, craft beer scene, he has collaborated with our own Brian Burkoff and Eli Friedman to create Priest, Minister, and a Rabbi series of conversations. He loves reading, music, gardening, craft beer, and studies Akodo. Is that how you Aikido. Aikido. Sorry. It's all good. Not into my martial arts, admittedly. Although our children are, so I should brush up on those things. Um, he is happily married with three children in college, which makes for sometimes a very happy marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Kirk and Eli. Thank you. Great to be Thank here, you Shannon. Very much. So since yeah. Ogan is gone, I have to do his part now too. Um, so you can show your love for Pup Theology Live by coming a supporter on Patreon. Um, order at the shot glass level for $2 a month or sign up for the pint or growler level and keep our show rolling and give yourself some PT Live swag, which will be coming to you all shortly. Um, you can access extended interviews and special guests, um, including Layton, who's uh, one of our co-host and I'm actually going to be doing an interview very soon with um, um, Eric Thomas who is a writer for Elle magazine and a good friend he's gonna be on the show in a few weeks so sign up now so you can get that interview his book here for it is coming out this week um, and we're gonna talk about um, his book and what it's like to be gay Christian in a world of, of wonder of 
Hollywood, which I don't really understand. Um, <laughs> you can also um, have us come to your town. Uh, if you have enough money, you can do just about anything. Um, visit patreon.com slash PT live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. We will be on all the socials um, using hashtag PT live. And I did put the thing to put the questions out earlier. So we have some fan answers today oh, as we nice. discuss. So today we're discussing breakfast, national prayer, and otherwise self-care and fatigue in an election year. So what are we drinking today? Um, Kirk, as our very special guest, we will start with you. Well, thank you. So I'm, I'm, I'm at my office uh, at the diocesan offices, so I've got water right now. But what I'm, what I'm drinking for fun at home is... Um, Last night I had a German Pilsner from Stout's Brewing, which is in Adamstown, Pennsylvania, near Lancaster. And very sadly, after 30 years, they've announced that they're closing this spring. Yeah. So I'm grabbing all the Stouts that I can. And tonight I'm going to have their Black Lager, which is their collaboration with another local brewery, Sly Fox. And they use the, uh, they co-opted, I suspect, the Black Flag logo uh, mm. for, for that beer label. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice, thanks. Eli, what are you drinking today? So I realized I should have gone for like some sort of breakfasty beer, like the KBS or, or something yeah. like that. But um, I was also at the office and I was very excited because um, we actually already have um, some of our beers already done uh, for Purim, which is a big uh, Jewish festival coming up in a couple of weeks. And um, our uh, one we've been doing every year is this homebrew from our synagogue. A shout out to Bill Tapper. That's his real name, which is like kind of amazing. He <laughs> He's our, a brewer. Uh, he, is our, he is our Road of Shalom official brewmaster. Oh. And, um, and this is the, uh, the Brewers, mm. Brew Road of Shalom, Brew RS, Apricot Wheat. Um, I'll that also is, say that it's- awesome, by the way, that you guys have your own like brew club. Yeah, so well, we, <laughs> and we should, at some point, we, we got to tell the story of how Kirk and I met over our home brew clubs. Great. But- um, uh, right, right now, today is actually the Jewish holiday of Tu Bishvat, which is the uh, Jewish festival of the trees. And so uh, it's traditional to eat lots of like dried mm. fruit, nuts and things like that. And we also traditionally um, eat the seven species, which are the seven uh, foods that are grown in the biblical land of Israel, according to uh, Deuteronomy. Come on, pastors, help me out here. Eight, uh, maybe something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I have. I, 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 I mean, I love me for some Hebrew this, Bible, but now you've lost me. Um, but but one There's of them is milk and honey. <laughs> yeah, and actually, well, for another another time. But the honey that they talk about is probably not honey, but date honey, and dates are traditionally oh. um, eaten. But uh, yeah, it's got the wheat in it. So that's one of them I know. So I'm going to crack this well, open. And, 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 and the trees and the apricots come from the trees. Exactly. So you're all around exactly today. Right. Well, I did get inspired by the breakfast theme. So I am having mimosas today. Um, we recorded like a while ago, there was one time where all of our schedules were so busy and we did a, we all did a morning. We recorded in the morning at like 9 a.m. And we were all like, oh, we should have mimosas. So this is in honor of that. We all just drank coffee. Um, so this is a cheap bottle of, of not champagne, right? Sparkling wine. Um, Daibon, a Brute Reserve. There you go. Oh, hey. And I already corked it. So this is like, it's 
It's not going to explode Fake. all over the. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Opa. Can Derek yeah. add in later the sound of like the cork popping and. The uh, whole it's thing? Absolutely, Derek, get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we're starting this morning with, um, and I'm going to expand it. So, what's your favorite thing to eat for breakfast? Or I will add, um, what's your favorite like breakfast beverage? Um, and does that change when you're having breakfast for supper? So we just did breakfast for supper actually recently. Yeah. And I'll say it definitely does change because the whole point of breakfast for supper is to have the more like sweet things is my yes. feeling, right? Yes. Whereas actually my favorite thing for breakfast is more of a savory breakfast, but that would be silly to have for supper. So my favorite thing for breakfast is courtesy of my wife, Laurel, who um, spent a lot of, lived a lot of her life in Austin, Texas, and especially there are breakfast tacos. Mm. which is basically, you know, delicious tortilla, eggs, uh, potatoes, salsa, cheese, beans, bacon, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, totally am. And totally am into that thing. So I wouldn't do that for breakfast or supper because then you're just eating tacos. Um, so uh, I'm for breakfast, supper, we go with the, the waffles because then you can do lots of toppings on them mm-hmm. and maybe get okay. slightly healthy for the children. I mean, at least some fruit. So it's not just all sugar and whipped cream. Although my daughter put whipped cream and sprinkles on. So yeah, I was going to say like (laughs) having breakfast for dinner is not about having a healthy, well-balanced meal. It's true. It's hard to work in the green. Right. Uh, So uh, we're pretty early risers and I actually do generally do intermittent fasting. So I'm not breakfast for me is not um, usually around nine. Like I'm up and I've started my day mm-hmm. and I'm out and I'm going and then I'll have an apple and some nuts at nine or nine thirty. You have coffee that. before that, or do you? Just... Oh God, yes. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, like how oh. can you? No, no, ain't nothing happening yeah. without coffee. I mean, okay. even, uh, <laughs> no, and I, you know, I put a little bit of one uh, percent milk and I don't worry about the minimal caloric content of that. Yeah, uh, I'm sure, not, right. Uh, rabid about this, but um, but. Um, for breakfast, breakfast, I mean, I love when I have the time to bake and just fresh bread from the oven when I've had time to do that. And that just fresh hot bread, you know, with mm-hmm. butter is just, uh, it doesn't get any better than that. It really doesn't. It... Uh, but for breakfast, for dinner, which yeah. I do, we do a couple times a month. It's usually just something like a bigger breakfast, whether it's waffles or, or scratch pancakes or something like that. But last week we did omelets um, and... Uh, I don't know about you all, but I've taken generally to um, doing my bacon in the oven as opposed yep. to frying it. Yeah, yeah. And I just, it takes more time, but it doesn't get burned to a crisp. And Well, it, and I can do the other things while it cooks, right? Exactly. So and Usually for, it's like you cook the bacon and then you can do all the other things. Right. But this way I can just stick it in and do all the other things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So we... Um, Derek doesn't like breakfast for dinner, so we always have it when he's gone, like when he has a night meeting or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's always is he this, like is he morally opposed to it? He is really it like is. A, Sometimes <laughs> you will have to ask him about this, and he is so anti breakfast for dinner; it's crazy. Um, I, I've and I still haven't been able to get a satisfactory answer out of him where I'm like, okay, I understand, right? 
Um, but it's this weird thing where when I tell the kids Derek has a meeting and we're going to have breakfast or dinner, they're like, yes. And it's this <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, you know, he's like, yeah, that doesn't make me feel bad at all. Um, but we, we are, I am a fairly traditionalist. Um, so I eat, I eat eggs. So I don't really eat breakfast, right? Coffee, coffee mm -hmm. in the morning. I'm, you know, Kirk, I'm like you, like I, coffee, I get everybody out the door. I get out the door. And then at, at church in my office, I have some, um, like granola bars or some oatmeal packets, you know, that I just like, if I think about it, like, mm -hmm. and I'm hungry, we'll grab something. If not, I'll just wait till lunch. Um, but when we have breakfast for dinner, we always have eggs. We always have um, bacon, mostly sausage occasionally, but mostly mm -hmm. bacon. Um, pancakes with all the sprinkles and the whipped cream and honey and Maple syrup, syrup sometimes. Wow. Like my son is into honey and syrup, and I'm like, honey, it's basically the same thing. But he's like, no, it's what I'm like, what I'm like, you, you use know, real maple syrup. We do, I do. So I do love me. Yeah, this this New Englander approves. Yeah, I I, I cannot get behind like syrup that is just sugar water. Oh, God, well, no, both the kids were born in upstate New York, so like they got used to it up yeah. there, and I, they don't like they won't they don't like the other stuff, and I'm like. I'm winning. I'm winning at parenting then. Yeah. Um, but I will say, so um, Kirk, we have we have four kids and I'm teaching oh, God bless you. Thomas, our oldest son. Um, I'm teaching him how to make um, sausage gravy because he mm -hmm. loves sausage gravy and biscuits. So about once a month, because, you know, it's hard to tack on a plate. Delicious, delicious heart attack on a plate. Um, so about once a month, I'll like we'll make sausage gravy because I'm from Kentucky. So like, you know, it's, 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 my blood is really, you know, sausage gravy. <laughs> That's really and then we like make enough to where we save it for like, and put it on whatever we're eating for the next day or whatever. Mm -hmm. so. Jell-O mold, throw some sausage gravy on there. <laughs> I mean, you know, listen. Apple pie, just throw some sausage gravy on there. Get it all. Yeah. I guarantee somebody's done it. <laughs> but, um, and so Again, um, at our last week's national pear national pear breakfast, I would go to that breakfast. Actually, I love me some pears. Um, national prayer breakfast. Dr. Arthur Brooks discussed the quote crisis of contempt and polarization that's tearing our societies apart. He called for those at the breakfast to do what was preached in the Bible: to love your enemies. Brooks spoke at length about how politicians from different parties need to treat each other with love. And immediately following, the president stood up and said, Arthur, I don't agree. I don't know that I agree with you. I don't know if Arthur is going to like what I have to say. Discuss this interaction and how you feel about it. Should loving our enemies extend to the political sphere? We'll start with that question. Nice light start. That's good. I well, you know, breakfast I had to give the, yeah. breakfast is the yeah the lead in. Yeah. I've had to give Brian a little talking to the last couple of weeks because it's been all politics heavy, and and then I did that right before the national prayer breakfast. So I was like, well, okay, well now we have to have another no, one. No, so, it's, it's, you know, but I and I I will admit. So one of the other questions, one of the next questions actually is hitting outrage or election fatigue, yeah. which was my comment, and so this was 
this and the Gail King stuff this week was were the things mm-hmm. that like I, I needed to check out, right? Like I mm-hmm. couldn't handle it. Um, but what went around after the National Prayer Breakfast that I saw was like the Franklin Graham, this has been the most Christian president that we've ever had, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And it just drew a line. Um, so anyway, um, so how do you feel about this interaction? Uh, I'm, 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 yeah, I was, I'm aware of that and was, uh, every time, uh, unfortunately with this president, it seems like every time that, uh, he kind of crosses over a line and I go, God, well, that he can't go any further than that. He finds a way to go further than that. And and then prayer breakfast was unfortunately, um, uh, yet another one of those examples. Um, um, and it's fine. I mean, at least I will say that that was one of his truthful responses. Yeah, at least call spade a spade, right? Yeah, I know he was being honest about what he really feels and how he really operates, and and that's fine. And and uh, um, speaking as a Christian, I think it's 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 good that he was honest about that because this is one of those areas where. Uh, that shows the radical the radical proposition of what Jesus the demands of following Jesus for me which is to love your enemy and to love those who hate you and to pray for those who persecute you um, and um, that, that shouldn't be easy that should be hard it, it, if we take it honestly it, it is hard that's the um, thing that's interesting right is that it's, it's, it's not that, um, now this, so, um, Eli, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> that we could find numerous, um, Hebrew Bible, uh, moments where we're commanded to love an enemy, right? Or Leviticus 19. Yeah. Of right. I mean, it's like so central. Exactly. And this hit, this quote comes from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew mm-hmm. five. Right. Um, and, and, and Kirk, you know, I'll just read it, but it, it's basically what you just said, you know, but I, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And this is, this is, you know, the Sermon on the Mount opens up with the Beatitudes of blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, you know? Um, but it's a command. It's not that I, I, I actually don't disagree with it at all. It's challenging. It's a challenging mm-hmm. command. Um, and so to refute, to, to just return with saying, I don't know if I can do that is very honest, right? Coming back and saying, I don't know if I agree with that. Although that may be where he, excuse me, where he is. It's, it's just an admission of not being able to take on that, that tenant of faith, that challenge of faith. Yeah. I've always read Leviticus 19, which says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And then it and also says, love the stranger for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Yes. Um, I've always read, and I think it works. I've, I, I might've even talked about this before on this, on this show, but um, the, the first part in the Hebrew, love your neighbor like yourself. It can also be read as love your neighbor who is like yourself. Meaning like, it's easy to love the person that has the same beliefs mm-hmm. as us, that, that mm-hmm. looks the same as us, that speaks the same way as us. What's much harder is to love the stranger, love the person that's mm-hmm. different, um, you know, love the enemy. And I think you're exactly right. It's, it's not so, it's challenging and we're being pushed to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it goes, it, it, 
it reads into that um, that type of faith where we refuse to be challenged, right? And there there certainly are faiths that refuse to be challenged, like people's faiths that refuse to be challenged. Mine, um, my my understanding of faith is the opposite, right? That I am that I am constantly challenged. That I am um, continuously pushed to think beyond my capability. Um, we grow in our faith. We we learn more when we when we challenge. I mean, that's rabbinic Judaism. When you look at the Talmud, it's all rabbis arguing with each other nonstop, right? And the yeah. whole the whole point is that we should when when we when we study with someone, when we push someone to, to think differently, we, everybody grows, everyone, everyone, we, God, I think is revealed in those mm -hmm. arguments, in those mm -hmm. disagreements. Yeah. Kirk, no, so, so I think that, you know, to, to kind of pick up where you were going with like sort of this, the second half of the question, um, and I think this this then moves towards the fatigue thing and, and or political discourse, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I reposted something this week, and I've actually been, I think, because of the fatigue stuff, not been posting much political. It's also different because I work for adjudicatory, so I don't quite have uh, the same liberty that I had, you know, uh, um, when I was just, even just as a pastor, right? Even just as yeah. a pastor, you know, because yeah. I'm now now I'm not just with one congregation; I'm with 132, you know. Right. So it's it's different, but um, but I did repost something, and I got some expected blowback from some more conservative friends of mine, and I debated it, like engaging it or not. You know, I debated even putting it because I'm like, do I even have the energy for this? But you know what? I I, I slept on responding, and I wrote long, really. I tried to pray on the responses and wrote because I was operating from the standpoint, and this is, I apologize for the circuitous answer, but. <laughs> That's what this um, show's for. <laughs> Once you had a beer in you, it's the most circuitous I was going to say, yeah. just wait yeah. till the mimosa kicks in. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the, the Latin word for love is caritas, you know, which comes into our, our English language as charity. Um, and one of my a guy I went to college with, actually a fraternity brother, who's one of my friends on Facebook, who is who is reliably more conservative, albeit um, thoughtfully so. Um, um, you know, he would he in a previous debate that we were having uh, online about this um, about different issues, he had said, you know, always 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 caritas, always caritas, and mm -hmm. and the way that you know that translate and connects with the statement about loving, you know, your enemy, it's oftentimes if you start from, it diffuses it if you start by saying, well, let me start from the position of assuming the best about this person. Right. And that's where the word charity, right, yes. is, a, is, a, is a way that articulates the maybe broader concept of love. I'm going to start by assuming that this person who's just said something that I find difficult or frustrating or even preposterous or offensive yeah. let me assume from assuming the best before i respond rather than just reacting have yep. a charitable impression of them yeah. right off the bat yeah. i yeah. love that that's beautiful yeah. yeah and i and i i actually um read i mean that is a posture i guess i took on a, a several years ago right and and it was just through my regular church work interactions of Oh, why is this happening again? And 
why are they, you know, and, and kind of having to step back and be like, do I really think this person was acting maliciously? Cause that's how I'm responding, you know, right. and, and do what, what a charitable reading, right. Is, is this right. like, what would, what would it look like mm -hmm. that they were saying something out of the best place right now? The truth is, is that we're often not saying something out of the best place, but responding in that way yeah. is never yeah. hurtful, right? Ever, you know, and, and when you were not responding out of the best of ourselves, it's because probably that's when we need the charity the most, right? Like then something's going on that brought me to this brink and mm -hmm. we may still deserve a, an apology because we shouldn't have had that, you know, thrown at us, but we don't have to respond in kind. Um, and that's what I think is actually interesting about this interaction is, you know, like I can read charity into this, like, well, that's, you know, that's a pretty interesting response. Like if, if, He's, you know, Dr. Brooks's remarks is, is a comment to me as well, right? Like, like you, you need to love and to pray for those who are, yep. you know, completely opposite and drawing the lines and are the reasons why you're as tired as you are and exhausted about this. And, you know, and, and I think um, if you don't mind, like, I, I kind of want to um, jump down a little bit to... Um, if like I have spent long periods of life in prayer for enemy is always a hard word for me. It just, it is, but there it is, right? That's, that's the translation. Um, have you ever spent periods of time in that? Has, have you ever, how has that prayer, um, changed you? How has it changed the relationship? Um, just going to kind of throw that question out there. Yeah. I'll start with something first before prayer. And that's um, maybe this is a little more Jewish, but it's sort of, there's a, a really important Jewish idea of sort of teaching the person you disagree with teachings before you teach your own. So meaning in the, in the Talmud, there's a famous disagreement between two rabbis who constantly argue Hillel and Shammai. And the ruling usually actually goes with, with Rabbi Hillel. And they say the ruling goes with Rabbi Hillel because Rabbi Hillel always taught Shammai's opinion before his own. So like the example people always give of Hillel and Shammai is like Hanukkah candles. Shammai thought you should light eight on the first night and work your way down to one, representing the oil. Hillel thought start with one, work your way up to eight. Our light should increase, so our joy should increase. Both good ideas. Hillel, whenever he would teach his students, would always teach Shammai's opinion first. And there's something mm -hmm. really just beautiful about that of, of all, I mean, first of all, I actually think it's more effective, right? Yeah. And there's something really beautiful because it makes, it forces you to put yourself in your quote unquote enemies shoes and eyes and, and to really try to teach it from their perspective beforehand. Um, so for me, before I even get into sort of the prayer piece, I really think about what does it mean to be in that person's perspective, to try to even teach something from their perspective. Yeah. I'm going to go with a science fiction reference here. <laughs> um, uh, the Ender's Games books from Orson Scott Card, um, Earth is under attack by this alien species that is so alien that the way they think, the way, you know, the way their strategy, everything, and it's, you know, so they, to, 
without without I, I won't digress trying to sum stuff up. Don't ruin it for me. I'm 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 still gonna see the movie. Yeah, no, well the movie's not the best. The books are way better. Um always, always. Almost always, yeah. But the point is when they're training these these child geniuses to create a response strategy, the what's said is you know you have to get inside your enemy's head, but you you get to know your enemy to the point that you start you have to you have to know them so well that you actually start to love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you think about that, and it creates this terrible dichotomies in the books, but it is this terrible, you know, to the point where you know them and understand them so well that can they even be your enemy anymore? Mm. You know, and of course, unfortunately, I think sometimes there, there may be dividing points when it comes to translating to action where we have to be on opposite sides. But I don't know if that always has to mean the traditional enemy relationship holds. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny as I, like, it's easier for me to pray for my enemy that is far away, right? Um, it's easier to perceive an enemy who is far away. Um, so I'm reading Brene Brown's um, Braving the Wilderness, and she says it's really hard to hate people close up. Yeah. Yep. You know, and yeah. and I and I think we all experience that. I think we all teach that, you know, regularly. That you know, when you really get to know someone, I mean, that's how we all change, right? We all change by we have an opinion, we have a thought on something, and then we meet somebody, mm-hmm. um, or we've had some similar experience, right? Um, and so there really has been a moment of of transformation that has taken place. Um, and for me, that isn't just, you know, it, it, like you talk about this process, like that's a prayer process, right? Yeah. And, and it is like, you know, this process of like, I'm going to get to know and teach the person I disagree with or this enemy, right? Of mine um, before I teach my own opinion, like that's a process of prayer. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's study, that's that. learning, that's, you know, handing it over um, to to God and saying, like, help me figure this out. And let's, and, you know, we often say prayer changes the prayer the most, right? Yeah. Like the person who's praying. Um, and I, you know, it's, that's part of prayer though, right? Is that it's not like I, I mean, I, I pray for the leaders of our country on a regular basis and, and not just naming them in the prayers of the people, right? But like, regularly prayer pray and i've had to learn to not to pray an agenda but that yeah. or you know patronizing prayer and exactly like that, right, right? Yeah. like but it's that, so easy to get into that mode yeah and turn but to you know and and that even like may god's justice and peace reign on earth right mm-hmm. and may god's compassion work through you and may you receive god's mercy like Things that I, like, these are not my, none of this is under my control, right? And and just constantly putting myself back in my place, you know? I love that meme that when it keeps, every once in a while it makes a thing that's like somebody's therapist knows all about you. Yeah, you know, yeah, have I you seen that? that? <laughs> like, that to me is very much like, pray for your enemies because you're somebody's, right? Like, somebody's therapist knows all about you and it probably ain't so good, you know? Like... <laughs> I think that there's a difference, or I wonder how much of a difference there is between um, 
our personal antagonists and, you know, being in, you know, I've spent most of my career in parish ministry and, you know, I think we, we all know what it is to have antagonists, whether Absolutely. it's in our lives or in our congregations or things like that, people who are driving us nuts. And I think that's a little bit different than the enemy context. Because mm-hmm. I think when it comes to the personal antagonist, then praying for them is about changing, about recognizing, like, wait a minute, my job, I can't fix the deep, whatever is broken in this person's life or heart that is making them act out in a dysfunctional way and disruptive to the parish. My job is just to work with them. You know, it refocuses me about like, you know, what's driving me crazy sometimes is that I can't fix the underlying hurt in them. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't make them bring them to a healthier point, even though I want to. So that's making me crazy. But with, with the enemy conversation, you know, especially if we want to go back to the political realm, you know, where there are some pretty profound agreements, disagreements about. Yeah. I was the like, what, this what agreements? Are there any? Did we find one? Yeah, but, but see, that's the thing too, though, is understanding that that going back to that caritas, right? Right. Most people, if you were to defuse, deescalate, and sit down over a cup of coffee or a beer in a relaxed setting with that person one-on-one, mm-hmm. you could probably agree about the things that we want. We want a society in which everybody has an equal opportunity, in which people's hard work is rewarded, in which... Mm-hmm. Um, people have equal access to things in which our elderly and our vulnerable are cared for or have extra support offered to them, right? We can agree in which I have liberty and freedom to speak my mind in which you have liberty and freedom to speak your mind. And if we disagree, that's okay on, you know, because we agree that we should just have the liberty to do so. Yep. And you know, how that translates into action is where the disagreement comes. But when we lose sight of the fact that the person at the other end of the Facebook argument or the Twitter argument mm-hmm. um, is actually a person who, with whom I probably fundamentally agree about 80 or 90% of the things. When we dehumanize, that's where we run into the real trouble. Yes. Uh, and I, I totally agree. Um, and I think that's why it's easier to have an enemy far away, right? That that's... Mm-hmm. I, I can I can easily dehumanize someone that isn't standing in front of me, um, and and the other part of this conversation that I just can't quite get rid of is to in order to love those who persecute me, I, I feel and and you can disagree that I come at. Um, my understanding of community and my understanding of we're all in this togetherness is what helps me to do that, right? It is what gets me to the point of saying, this is for the betterment of not just me and them, but for all of us, if we can, if I can pray for them, if I can be with them, if we can bring a sense of charity to our conversation or to our understanding, that is for the betterment of all. And I have a very rooted theology in community. And if and it, you, if yours is in individualism, right, then it's to your benefit to have enemies and for there to be an other. Th- does that make any sense? It does. Yeah. When 
it's a, I forget who said it, but when everyone does better, everyone does better. Right. Right. That's <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's, it may be a cliche line, but it's, I, I really believe in it too, Shannon. I, I completely agree. And I think, um, unfortunately, I think America it, from its onset had such a, just a culture of independence and a culture of mm-hmm. this zero sum game. And that in order for me to do better, you have to do worse. And it's just not true. It's not reality. And that that's a, a reality that we've sort of created or a narrative we've created in this country um, that, you know, is all part of, I think what Dr. Brooks was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. So have, do you, are you in a place now of hitting outrage fatigue or, election fatigue or whatever it is, or like whatever you want to call it. I called it outrage fatigue. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm, I've hit election fatigue, but I've, I'm much more like outrage fatigue is what it, that's my word because mm-hmm. it's, it's all of it, right? Like I've gone on plenty of tangents on the show about outrage fatigue. Um, <laughs> and, you know, but are you, are you in that place? And I shouldn't, I just want to note, I should have gotten my tiny actual mimosa glass. I should have gotten like a wine glass because I have to refill like every three minutes. <laughs> it's fun watching you. It's fun watching you make your drink. I'm like I, constantly mixing. I think uh, I saw, again, you know, memes are the greatest thing ever. What did we do before them? Uh, but I saw a great meme. It was something like, you know, the resistance is a is a marathon, not a sprint. And that, you know, yeah. we, I think, and this is social justice, that I think there's moments where we all need to pass the baton, sit for a little bit on the bench, you know, take a rest, because you do get fatigued. And there's so much work out there to do. Um, actually, I'll, um, my prayer shawl, um, which is disgustingly dirty, but... Um, just uh, similar to like, I guess, what do you call it in the, you guys wear a stole? stole? We wear a stole, yeah. yeah. So yep. in Hebrew, we call it a, a, a talit. Um, we all, at our congregation, we have a, a tradition that we all get to choose whatever like quote we want on it. Nice. Actually, they asked me at my uh, interview about 10 years ago, they Which said, one? oh, we, we have this tradition where all the clergy get to you know, do this. What would you put on it? Like right in the spot. Like, what's your, what's your? If you were to pick any one line from scripture or whatever, what would you choose? And um, I ended up having to get that on my prayer shawl because I said it in the interview. But uh, it was uh, a line by a famous rabbi from the first century, Rabbi Tarfun, who said, um, "It is not incumbent on you to complete the work, but neither are you free to desist from it." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what this this fatigue is all about. That that we just have to constantly remember that it's not up to us to do it all. That's why we, it comes back to what you said, Shannon, about community, right? That's why we have each other to, to pick up the baton and that we need self-care. We need to rest. We need to do whatever we need to do in order. And, and also it's about making room for others to do that work and that we can't do it all. And it's that recognition of that. No, I don't, I don't have a lot to add to that. I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, I think we have to give ourselves permission to, mute somebody's feed mm-hmm. or to fast from social media or whatever it is that's just giving us ulcers and is not productive. It's because not every type, you know, exposure to something, right? I mean, if you think of it as, as, um, as, uh, you know, some sort of hazardous substance, right? Political dialogue. And that, it right. feels like anthrax or something like that. It, it really you, does. Yeah. Radioactive waste. Yeah. 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 I mean, we need, we need a break for it. We need to come, you know, to shelter or to take a break for it. And I think, I think that's okay. But then, but then we can't just, you know, 
make sure that our feed is only kitten memes either, you know, right. Not exactly. probably maybe you take a day and okay, or a week and it's kitten memes and then it's okay. Well, or, to, or your, your, your feed is just kitten memes, but you're getting news somewhere or no, you're yeah, yeah, right. You it, yeah. And, and I'd only say that cause I'm, I'm at the point where I'm just only kitten memes. Um, and I'm okay with that. I, and I, I have done some, like I've taken Facebook off my phone, right? Like it's, so I can't, pick it up and just mm -hmm. start going. I mean, you know, when it gets real bad, but, but yes, it's really genuinely affecting my anxiety. And, and yeah. one of the things that I found, um, I, I, so when I was on sabbatical, I was on sabbatical for 16 weeks and I took a full social media fast. I had a um, special Instagram account for my sabbatical, but I didn't, I just uploaded to it, right. For people to see pictures. I didn't interact at all or, or look at anybody else's stuff. And one of the things that happened in that is that I realized that I was just, I was getting news from my Apple news app on my phone and I only saw articles once and I, and then I went back to social media, right? So I'm scrolling through Facebook for me, Twitter, Twitter's different. It's just a different beast and animal. So I'm scrolling through Facebook and I'm seeing the same news story, yes. maybe from different news outlets, um, but everybody's got a commentary, right? Whether it's like, oh, this is disgusting, or I can't believe this is happening again, or when it will it ever, right? And what I realized what was happening to me was that I was being, I, somewhere in my body, somewhere deep in my mind, somewhere I thought it was happening over and over again, Mm -hmm. Right. That like, mm -hmm. so, so as I that trauma sort of amplified exactly. And, and, wow. and it was, so I, I remember when nine 11 happened, right. They were like, parents, you need to turn off your TV around young children because the kids don't actually know as they watch this footage that it's over not over happening again. over and over again. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've kind of taken, I've started to take mm -hmm. that, that kind of mentality to my social media feed to go, okay, there's some part of me, some little part of me that even if it takes a millisecond to remember that this isn't happening over and over again, I'm still doing all that work, right? And so I need to get my news from a, a source, a certain, like several sources, right? I get my news from all kinds of sources. And then I need to have my social network that I connect with my friends and colleagues and do all of that work. So it takes, it takes a lot of effort to do that, but it's one of the things that I wouldn't necessarily call it self-care, right? <laughs> um, in terms of like really, truly self-care, but it's what I need to get through the day and still be on the socials, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what does, before we have about 10 minutes left, what does give you life right now? What replenishes you? Um, reading, an activity, hobby? I'll make, a, I'll make a plug for a friend of mine's uh, congregant and a friend's uh, newsletter, uh, Jill Ivey, called Puppies in Politics. Nice. And to me, it's like the perfect balance because it gets, she has some wonderful commentary. Her sub line is come for the cute animals, stay for the revolution. But this idea of like, I can still get some news, but as long as I get enough cute puppy pictures right, exactly. interspersed in there, like I'm good to go. Um, for me, definitely my puppies, definitely my, my wife, my daughters. I think um, they give me a nice break from it. Um, mm -hmm. that, that definitely helps a lot. Yeah, the, ki the kids are a distraction for sure in some ways. 
yeah, some sometimes good, not some always, bad. Sometimes not always de- <laughs> in a de-stressful way either, but right. uh, you know. They definitely pull me out of the world is on fire to, oh my God, I need to deal with this one thing that's on fire, you know? So there's that. (laughs) Sometimes for me, what's, what's helpful is actually if I throw myself into something new and a challenge and something that's sort of self betterment. um, Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's actually giving myself permission to do something that um, uh, isn't taxing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so I spent some time this weekend on my day off playing uh, Civilization 3. Nice. Oh, yes, which dude. Is, exactly. Which, yeah, but yeah, uh, Do you fun. play Civilization? Oh, we gotta, yeah, man. We got to get into it. I got, I got uh, Civ 6 Gathering Storm. We should, um, you could play online. I never my, did. My son keeps telling me, Dad, you got to switch to 6. 6 is so much better, you know, for so <laughs> many really reasons. It's really good. I, and and you, can found, you, can find, you can found religions, which is pretty fun, I, you know? I, I know that. It's just three. I know all the rules, and it's the AI is much simpler. And so it's totally right. mindless, so, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's That's not as mindless as solitaire, but it's like, okay, I can play this. It's distracting. I don't think about work. It goes full screen, so I don't see when emails come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or that, or my wife and I have started rewatching Cheers on Netflix. Nice. Which is, again, you know, I've seen every episode 150 times, but it's, it's really good writing and we're enjoying it. Oh, it's it's super fun. Yeah. (laughs) We're really, um, we're, we're enjoying um, sex education on Netflix, which at first was weird because it was like teenagers. And I was like, okay, I need to not (laughs) deal with this right now. And (laughs) then it became really like fun and funny and, you know, things like that. But um, yeah, no. So I recommend, I recommend that I started. um, So I've, I've been in and out of this phase for a while, but, my sister for Christmas gave me um, a coloring book. Like it was like a mama swear words coloring book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the adult coloring book exactly. series. Those are great. Um, and she gave me glitter pens to color with, which like are the best things ever. So I put my phone away when I watch TV, which I know sounds really weird, but like, you know, we sit there and watch TV and like scroll through our <laughs> so I, I've actually like removed the phone from the situation. It goes in a whole nother room and I just, I color and I color with these sparkly markers and, and it's God, God forbid we should just watch TV and well, only watch TV. TV That's is not <laughs> interesting enough. <laughs> like there are some movies that I put everything down and then there are other things that I'm like, no, no, it's just really not that interesting. Like <laughs> with as much TV as we watch in our house, like I gotta, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not like I do that during the Mandalorian. Like that is not the way that works. So, you know, things like that. Um, I'm reading, I'm, I'm about, I, you know, I'm reading 50 things at a time because that's the way I work. Um, I'm about halfway through Ta-Nehisi Coates' The Water Dancer, which I highly recommend. Oh. Um, it's, a, it's a novel. Um, so that's my current novel. For work I'm, and, and self-discovery, I'm, we're doing a Lenten series on Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness, which is her new book. So. Yeah. I'm doing um, I'm, a recommendation from a congregant. We are indivisible. Nice. It's another a work one, but um, you know, it still puts you in the politics world, but it, it gives you some hope. It's a, yeah. blueprint, a blueprint for democracy after Trump. And so uh, although you're still in that world, it's like very hopeful. And so exactly. Uh, I think that's important to, to keep reading that kind of stuff. Yeah. So just, I mean, I, I think that's part of it, right. Is, some of this for me has been since 2016, I, 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 I got out of a lot of my practices that were fun and mindless and cause I just, we're in 
genuinely like I was in grief and mourning and um crisis mode and action mode exactly and Mm -hmm. And, um so I actually here's here's I started a practice early um Lent for me is a good time to just like you know recalibrate pick up something right so I stopped blogging a while ago um I always felt that it was a self-indulgent activity but like I just really got to that point but I picked up one of those books um I actually went to a real live actual bookstore the other day and um, it's in on the other side of the room, so I can't get it. But I picked up one of those books out of like the bargain bin that was like 300 writing prompts, right? And and so just once a day, I've just been writing this paragraph or this page of this question, mm. you know, and it's just been really creative, fun writing, right? Mm-hmm. For no purpose. Nobody's going to read it. Nobody's going to. So, you know, I'm, I've also really thought about um, taking like I've always wanted to do like um, acrylic paint. I know how to watercolor paint, but I don't know how to do. So I, I'm, I actually feel like the fog is lifting, right? Like <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, um, the, the, the fatigue is something that has prompted me to say, okay, what are the things that I genuinely enjoy to do? Because there is beauty in the world and I can, we can, you know, write together, we can help create this. Um, so I think that's important. See, the mimosa kicked in. I told you, Kirk, that it would happen. <laughs> <laughs> and the only video games we play around here are Madden and Spider-Man. So, you know, that's just... Oh, uh, you missed Civilization. And, and Kirk, you really got to get, get into Civ know, Six. It's amazing. You know, uh, I'll have to ask Derek if he's done it because, you know, he'd probably love it. Be prepared to commit time. It's 20, 30 hours a game. So, yeah, my ex-husband used to play it when it was, like, one, two. Oh, right? yeah, like on DOS. Like yeah, original. exactly. It was amazing. And he, like, he would be up all night, and he'd be like, oh, shit, it's 6 o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. You know? I've, I've um, been there before. Yeah, and I, I think Derek used to, too. I just didn't I know him then. I think now he just likes sleep way too much to do things like that. But I am going away for a few weeks in the summer, so maybe that's a good time to hand it to him and then walk out the door. There you go. <laughs> Back when I was a kid and I, I first started um, fasting for the holiday of Yom Kippur, right, the Jewish Day of Atonement where we fast, I would I would like go home after the morning service and I would just play Civilization all day. And before I knew it, it was like sundown and time to eat. And I'd be so like, So you oh. weren't even hungry. <laughs> I realized later, like, the kind of defeated the whole purpose and the whole right. point of fasting is to like yeah. reflect okay. on your sins for the but year or something also like that. you're a little kid and that's a perfect way to be like i can do this you're right exactly. you build confidence so, give myself a, little, a bye all right i approve if, if shannon approves i get uh i got rabbinic dispensation I'm good there you go <laughs> listen i mean ultimately your parents are the ones that have sinned and we'll have to answer for that but nonetheless <laughs> it's all right though jews don't believe in hell so we're okay I mean, I don't really either, so it's fine. Any <laughs> final words that we have before we go? As I make my last mimosa mm-hmm. to close out the show? You know, I'll, I'll just share, because uh, I did, I, I, I led with it that, um, you know, we were talking all about sort of, a lot about our divided country and that um, the way Kirk and I first met was that we had a homebrew club at, at my synagogue. Kirk had a, had a beer club at his church that he was at at the time. And we were both going to the same homebrew store nice. that actually uh, happened to be um, owned by a, by an interfaith couple as well. And um, 
they said, you know, they said to me, they said, you know, there's this priest that's been coming in here. And apparently they said to Kirk, you know, there's this rabbi that's been coming in here. <laughs> and they introduced us. We went out for beers and it was like yeah. instant connection. Yeah. I even have, uh, we did some homebrewing together. Here's, uh, oh, look at here's you. our Ecclesiastes 3.1 to everything there is a saison. <laughs> there's the, the that's Kirk. It. And that's me right there. You can see the, the priest and the, the rabbi. The exact resemblance. It looks yeah, exactly, exactly. like the <laughs> but, but that, that you know, uh, some good beer can, can solve any problem, can bring our divided nation together. It's, uh, there we go. Well, yeah. and, and we've hit on this several times, but like, obviously that's what pub theology is about, whether it's in your hometown or through this podcast, right? It's about coming together, being able to love one another in disagreement, um, you know, for those of you that longtime listeners, you know, Ogan and I disagree all the time about things <laughs> and, and it's, and it's wonderful. And, and we all love each other because, you know, we are all God's children. Yeah, I think that's Amen. it. It's how do we hold on to the relationships despite disagreement? Because uh, I think everything's getting framed now that if you disagree on some, something or other, you know, you just, it's easier to write the person off because that's the way we've that's how polarized we've gotten and when we think we frame things our political and public discourse has dissolved to that state and we just have to make sure that that doesn't we can't let that define our relationships for us thanks Amen. kirk i agree well thank you to our special guests kirk and eli um we'd like to give a big thank you to the originator of pub theology who um, gave us our questions today brian burkoff and to our producer derek weston connect and spread the word on social media listen anytime on soundcloud stitcher spotify apple or google podcasts watch us on utv youtube um facebook i i tried to combine instagram tv and youtube right there um youtube facebook and instagram tv sign up on patreon.com slash pt live for more content find or create a pub theology in your town um, go to pubtheology.com slash directory. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing.